To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Joe and Craig from Sig Sauer Optics. So these guys are hunters themselves. Uh, they're great to get on the podcast and compare notes. I'm just so impressed with, with Sig Sauer and their value they bring to the market. Uh, they're really competing with all the upper-end brands as far as optical performance, but they offer it for a, a decent price point, which creates great value. Uh, I, I really like using uh, their binoculars, rangefinder, uh, like using their spotting scope. And, and we talk about it today. We talk about all the different systems for backpacking, different systems that I use and the guys use for mule deer, for elk. Uh, we talk a lot about those 15 by 56s I'm in love with here lately, tripoding those up and just how effective they are. And, and how to pick your glass for the terrain you'll be hunting and also for the distance you'll be looking. Uh, so it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I think you guys will enjoy it too. I also want to thank Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Make sure to check out everything we do over there, uh, the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, if you're a subscriber, in every issue in the back, you'll get the MRS, the Members Research section. Uh, you can also check out our internet research tool, Tag Hub, which I've been on a ton lately, researching different hunts and different opportunities and, and trying to get my name in a hat and draw a couple tags here. So I've been using it a bunch as it just gives a real good understanding of what goes on in these western states, how the application season works, and then you know also the quality tags to put in for, a bunch of statistics to dive into on that thing. So... Uh, it's, it's great. It's our internet research tool and we got some, some promos going on right now. If you check those out, uh, with free giveaways and things of that nature. So, uh, thanks to Eastman's for all their support. And with that, let's get into this podcast. Uh, so I've got Joe and I've got Craig, uh, they're from Sig Sauer Optics. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Okay, I've got Joe and Craig on, um, friends of ours from Sig Sauer today. Uh, thanks for being on, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Man, so Sig Sauer Optics has been a huge part of the podcast, and I really appreciate their support. Uh, but but I feel like I'm constantly trying to get out the word about Sig Sauer Optics. You guys are putting out some of the best products out on the market. Uh, man, I am just in love with the uh, uh, the different binoculars. This year, uh, I was able to get a pair of those 15 by 56s, which were just a game changer for me. Uh, great. Uh, that spotting scope, that new spotting scope, man, that competes with any spotting scope on the market out there. That big 80 mil objective lens, uh, it, it's, um, it, it really reaches out and touches stuff out there. So anyways, I'm so impressed with what you guys are putting out over there at Six Hour. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we 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 spend a lot of time and uh, work long hours to try to bring the best best products out to you guys. Yeah, and... I would. Yeah, I would add. I would add just, you know, it's been uh, fast and furious over here. You know, really from a conceptual standpoint and uh, strategic build out by by Sig. 
um, in this endeavor. You know, we started basically conceptually in spring of 2014, and we were shipping by the end of 2015. And uh, you know, in five-year period, we have taken uh, we've taken a little bite out of the uh, out of the market. And so it's exciting uh, that uh, the product has taken off the way it has, and definitely uh, with the innovation that we've, we've dumped into it, with the talent pool that we have with the people here at SIG and the products that we uh, envision, and obviously users out there that are you know embracing it. It's been it's been a quick quick ramp up, but then we don't we don't tend to slow down. That's amazing that you guys have made uh, this jump and this evolution all in five years of producing these optics. Because, I mean, I've I've used and owned about every different optic out there, and and there's no optic that I'd rather have, you know, on my chest or mounted on the tripod than those SIGs. I just I think you guys are bringing such great value to the market. Just the 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 colors are so sharp in them. The clarity from edge to edge. Like, how are you guys able to compete so fast in a, you know, in a, in a market that's really competitive? Yeah, I mean, we've been around as a business unit of SIG for five years, six years, but we, we brought a lot of talent on board, and uh, people in our in our division here have been working in the industry for upwards of twenty years, some of them. So, it's not like uh, it's not like we're all learning on the go. So we, we brought a lot of knowledge and know-how with us. So. <laughs> Makes sense. You're not all learning on the fly as you're building them, huh? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's, um, it's so smart to like bring in the right people in the right positions. And, and you guys were able to do that from Sig Sauer's success in, in other markets. Yeah. And that, that's kind of a unique thing about Sig too. I mean, we have quite a few different divisions, uh, you know, rifles, pistols, uh, suppressors, ammunition, optics, uh, air guns, and pretty much across the board, SIG, they go out and they invest in people, really, which is a kind of a cool thing about them, and they grow everything organically as opposed to going out and acquiring other companies, other brands, and other ways of doing stuff. So it's uh, it's good because you can pick the right people, and then you can grow it the way you want it to grow as opposed to you know, just buying what someone else already grew. So it's a, it's a pretty unique uh not unique. I'm sure other people are doing it, but it's, uh, I, I like the way we go about our business. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah, right way to we, go yeah, ahead, we Joe. Definitely have a, we definitely have a, gr- a great mix of, uh, you know, outdoor enthusiasts here, people that have been in the industry. So a lot of feedback from hands-on experience and maybe things over the years, some of the guys have experienced that they would say, hey, let's do this different. What about this, uh, this electronic, technology is advancing and you know obviously we're dumping in electronic options that are available that haven't necessarily always been in the optics realm so uh, definitely pushing the envelope with that uh, hence the electro optics division and uh, it just allows us to get into some uh, areas of the industry that maybe some other people haven't necessarily attacked it so being sig being vertically integrated like we are it's kind of made it a, a great uh, investment in the people in the products and so it's just been like we said a good a good run so we're just we're excited to continue to grow it and I'm you know Joe was talking about you know investing in people and getting people put together it's like you know he and I didn't know each other but you know eight years nine years ago when we started work we were working together at uh, another company outside the industry so uh, it's kind of kind of crazy how everything comes together and and here we are you know 
roughly nine years later, and we're just rock and roll and having fun. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Just like you guys, like Eastman's. I mean, we can glean all the knowledge you guys have, too. So it, uh, it all helps. It, it sure does. It's just good to have that good experience in there. It's tough to build optics for hunters if you guys don't hunt yourself. You just don't see, you know, where the pitfalls are or where the, the downfalls are or uh, uh, things that happen in the field. You just got to hear through feedback. So it's so good to be partnered with good companies and then also have guys in the company that are so knowledgeable and just like you stated, like pushing the envelope of what's possible with optics, like your guys' electro optics are the first I've ever seen in the hunting industry. Um, so they're, uh, you guys first had the, the monocular, and it was a 10 to 20 power, uh, 30 mil objective lens. In the electro, you have stabilization in this mini scope. So all of a sudden, you don't need to pack a tripod with it. Uh, you can click a button and it's it's run off a battery and all of a sudden it stabilizes the image. And then you guys went ahead and came up with a binocular that does that. And, yeah. and you shrunk them down to where they're a good size and you guys have a, a 10 power, I believe, and a 16 power. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, 10 by 30 and a uh, 16 by 42. Man, it's... um. I never knew I had the coffee shakes that bad until I hit that button on that switch and it stabilized everything out. You know, it's like those 15s on a tripod, but you have no tripod. It just, um, it like slows down the movement in the, binoc in the binoculars so you see a clear target. Man, those things are wild. Yeah, it's like when you're watching those those sports movies and the guy gets in the zone and everything just clarifies and focuses and everything so it's a uh, it's a pretty cool experience we're really happy with that product and uh yeah we're excited yeah when well, we were talking a bit before the podcast and you guys were telling me about like uh, if you really want to see him work you try to try to read something out there and then click the switch on and it was so funny like that's exactly what i did outside my garage with the real estate sign that i i couldn't read or make sense of holding up the binoculars and then i turned the switch on and i it's just ran off a double-A battery, is that right? Yeah, the 16 by 42s are double-A, and the uh, 10 by 32s are CR2, like okay. our range yeah. Yep, and, um, but yeah, was, I was just amazed at how stable the image got, and then I could read that real estate sign. So same thing, like in the hunting woods, I, I think, Joe, you had mentioned, or, or um, uh, maybe it was you, Craig, about like um, being in the field and looking for a tail flicker, or an ear twitch, or a... You know, it really lets you dissect country better and look for that movement when you when you stabilize that glass. Yeah, exactly, and it's the same same reason why uh, the tripod mounted 15 by 56s are great. Is really, I mean, that's the best way to to spot something in the field and in out in nature is to see a little bit of movement. And uh, if you're inputting your own movement in there, it's uh, it's kind of compounding your issues as far as being far away and uh and having movement in there so taking away one of those variables definitely helps quite a bit in spotting game oh it does this man there's um those 15 by 56s i am so impressed with the clarity of those things you guys don't know it uh but you were a big part of my success this year just creating opportunities with those things it just for glassing distant terrain uh but also 
for even picking apart close terrain. I, I spotted a buck in Nevada this year that I was looking at some timber that was 200 yards, and I, I tripoded up my binos because I had already panned through it, so I tripoded up the the 15s and i ended up spotting you know just a piece of an antler in those trees and created that opportunity amongst multiple other opportunities i i arrowed a good bear this year and i found that through the 15s i mean the the list goes on and on it may have spotted more animals for me than than my standard uh, 11 by 45s yeah yeah i when when working uh, in the consumer market and people are asking uh what i would choose for a, a binocular from SIG. I mean, I, I definitely start right at the top of the Zulu 9s and, you know, most of the time it matches their needs and then the price point is perfect. And then like you're saying, they come back and they say, we can't believe the clarity and the depth that I get with this, uh, with the set of binoculars on the Zulu 9s. And then they all come tripod mountable. Uh, there's a obviously tripod mount plug on them so people can use them that way. But, uh, all the way from the nine to nine by forty-five, eleven by forty-five, and fifteens. I mean, everyone's always impressed with they can get more time in the day to glass because of the depth of being able to get into the shadow, so to speak, with that with the glass package that they have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like what we were talking about uh, before. It is uh, just the comfort of, of spotting stuff with binoculars versus a spotting scope, and having both eyes open versus struggling to, to squint through one eye it's it's a much nicer experience that's for sure if you're spending quite a bit of time behind them oh absolutely and you know it it's tough to replace a scope for good because they you know you, you do get such great magnification for uh, judging game animals for identifying game animals and so it's tough to replace that scope but i i do find myself this year packing those 15s instead of a scope and they're way more comfortable to look through to like uh, glass terrain and try to pick out animals and um you know, I think it's just another tool in the toolbox to be able to have those 15s. But you're right, the eye relief is just a game changer. Uh, it's really tough to stare through a scope for a long period of time. Uh, it's tough to glass things through a scope, tough to squint and look through it. But those having those both eyes open is so comfortable. And then you get that great field of view. Uh, man, it's just um, it is the best way to spot game animals out west, just no doubt about it. Yep. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yep. Um, man, so have you guys got to work on my 20 power ones yet? <laughs> <laughs> we are we are working on some higher higher magnification uh, sets of those, that's for sure. Oh, so. man, is that music to my ears. You don't know how happy that makes <laughs> me. Although, I don't know that I could get away from those 15 by 56s. They seem to do about everything I want them to do. But, uh, again, like each piece of glass is just a tool. And you, you talked about a spotting scope. Like that spotting scope you guys came up with, and that's an evolution. I remember the spotting scope before that was a 65 millimeter objective lens, uh, yep. but you guys went and competed with the best scopes on the market with that 80 mil objective lens, uh, 27 by 55 power. Um, like like a, a you know I joke I can see the moon with that thing, but I really can. Like that is a great scope. And again, it's another tool for the toolbox for identifying animals and for looking long distances, like looking that, you know, five to ten mile range and then and then also picking things apart. But that that scope is really high quality. You guys came out with the uh, is that the, the Oscar seven or what's that one called? The the new one's the Oscar eight. The Oscar eight. Have a, yep. Yeah, it replaced the Oscar seven. OK. So, yep. Yeah. 
27 yeah, I mean, the resolution by 50. on that thing is, uh, is, is real impressive. It's, it's, uh, it's gotta be the right tool for the job. Kind of like we were talking about sometimes those binoculars are great, but let's say you're sighting in a rifle at 200, 300 yards. Uh, you're definitely going to want more magnification to be able to see those bullet holes in, in the paper. So it's, um, it, it's, we're, we're pretty happy with it. That's for sure. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the, and the hunters that maybe are enjoying camp out of a base camp and they're, you know, they're hitting their driving to their blasting spots, you know, and they're figuring out if they're going to have a uh, spot stock. I mean, it seems like there's no shortages of, uh, spotting scopes at Joe and I's camps when we're there, but obviously it's just another option if you're hunting out of base camp and just be able to be able to spot from glassing points and then, you know, make your plan and go a little lighter at that point. Well, an identifying game too. I know like last year I had this big uh, backcountry hunt in Wyoming that I, that I backpacked way into this spot and I brought that scope in with me and we found some epic hunting. My, my buddy ended up killing this really tall, deep fork buck that had to be eight or nine years old, 300 pound body, just a great big one. But with that scope, I had this master vantage point that you could go and pretty much we called it spinning the dials. You could look 360 degrees at this great mule deer habitat at 10,000 feet that we had hiked into. But every single buck I saw during that nine days of hunting, I was able to tell exactly how big he was and, and field judge him, you know, to the best of my knowledge. You know, they can always uh, fool you a little bit with the ears or something of that nature, but I could tell every buck that I saw and I could tell if he had stickers, I could tell how long his back forks were. I, I can just see the world with that scope. Yeah. I can save you a lot of time, uh, walking around with your eyes versus walking around on your feet. That's for sure. Oh, it's so the truth, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. and these, these optics, um, man, I, I really enjoy all these optics. Um, but I also like one of my biggest tools for Western hunting is my rangefinder. And I always say there's not a company on the market that compete can compete with you guys as far as rangefinders go. Yeah. I mean, pretty much since we started, uh, we, we started off with that kilo 2000 back in, uh, 2015 and we've, we've, kept growing and growing and, and building on that success ever all the way through. That's for sure. Adding BDX and, uh, all the ballistic capabilities. I know for, um, for vertical bow hunters, it's a little bit less, but for crossbow hunters, we have ballistic capabilities in there for them. And, and obviously center fire rifle hunters and muzzle loaders, they can, they can use our BDX system for that as well. So. Wow. Um, maybe, maybe explain this BDX system to me. So I've been describing it on the podcast, um, so it's when you can get your rangefinder, uh, an app on your phone, and your rifle scope all working in conjunction. Can you explain that to me a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what it is, it, it, it started off uh, probably four years ago. We launched the 2400 ABS, and it, it was a rangefinder that had ballistics in there. So in order to know how, uh, how much ballistic drop you're going to have at a certain range, you need to essentially put in your the BC of your bullet your muzzle velocity, um, some environmental stuff, and then uh, it needs to know your range. So we, we put that all into a range finder. We had that system for a couple of years, and then we were like, ah, this would be really cool if I didn't have to dial on my scope or didn't have to hold over on my scope, and it would just send all this information over my scope and told me where to aim. So that's when we started with BDX. So it's a ballistic data exchange. 
and uh, essentially the rangefinder is doing all the work it's doing the heavy lifting it's ranging it's computing everything and um and then it sends over to uh any of our sites so we're not any of our sites any of our bdx sites so right now our sierra 3 our sierra 6 and our echo 3 and uh that site will display the uh ballistic drops that the the rangefinder is computed so um, you don't need to use our, our, our range finders with our site. It will still give you a holdover in there. And if you do want to dial, you can do that. Or if you have a holdover reticle, you can hold over with it. But uh, that's kind of the gist of it. The, uh, the app is really, uh, there was some confusion when we first launched it and probably today still. But uh, you don't need the app to run the system. You can, uh, it, it really is just there to make configuring everything and setting everything up simpler but if you just want to run kind of a quick and dirty we, we do have a, a feature called quick bond where you just hold the range and mode button down you put your site into setting one and they'll bond almost instantly and then uh, you can just pick from one of eight ballistic groups and uh, off you go Man, we are living in the future, aren't we? Um, that's just amazing, you guys. Like, uh, uh, you've taken so much of the guesswork and the thinking out of it, you know, where things happen quick in, in the woods. And then, you know, I'm, I still hunt with a rifle, like with my dad and with my daughters and things. And I'm, you know, mainly a bow hunter, but I tell you, your rangefinders work just as good for us. You know, having your guys' angle compensation in there so, you know, I can hunt muleys in the steep and in the cliffs and, and it'll, you know, factor in the, the, the true range that I need to shoot at. So that system works really good and I've tested it in all different ranges and, and, um, uh, all, all different degrees, you know, of, of steepness on the slopes. And then, um, gosh, it's it's got a powerful laser in it. And I think that's also important because that powerful laser, you can choose first target priority or last target priority, but that powerful laser will shoot through some, some grass and things, which, you know, us bow hunters are always trying to just get above the grass to get a range so we can get a shot. And that thing really does the trick for me. It also shoots the exact same range, whether it's a light or dark target, so it's really accurate. So, um, man, you really have all of us covered from, uh, you know, the bow hunter to the rifle hunter and, and uh, everywhere in between. And you can use the same rangefinder for rifle hunting and bow hunting, man. It's just awesome. Hey, do those, um, your guys' rangefinding binoculars, does that also work on the BDX system? Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah, any anything with the BDX nomenclature uh, within the within the name. So absolutely. How cool, man! That's a good set of binoculars too, and that having the range find in it, it it just eliminates a step out there, and you're looking through that, uh, you know, you're looking through you know, the, the 10 power binoculars instead of like a, like a four power, six power range finder. And, and it's all done in, in, in one motion. That's got to be a game changer for guys. Yeah. It's nice not having to, to bounce between your binos when you're spotting something and going over to your range finder and trying to find the same animal or same pocket. And, uh, you might not have as, as good of optics in a smaller monocular range finder as you do in your bino. So it's, it's definitely a, a nice system and being able to uh, eliminate some of those uh, potential pitfalls and in, in errors. So, you know, uh, the, the range fighter might spit out 500 yards and uh, 10 MOA of drop. And if someone 
accidentally puts in 11 MOA of drop in there, it's uh, it, it's not going to work for them. So it's it's nice being able to eliminate some of that with the with the BDX system. Yeah, buck fever's real. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would add I would add uh, some of my interactions with consumers and hunters, is, especially on the bow hunting side, is uh, they're still compact and light enough where they can be uh, utilized via one hand. So that's always been nice. You know, range finding binoculars. Uh, leading really up to this and a 10, 10 by power have been really bulky and, and uh, really hard to kind of ergonomically maneuver yep. without using two hands. So it's always, it's been kind of nice that being here that hearing that the ergonomics that we put into our designs are, are uh, paying dividends. Lots, lots of value add when we're starting to look at, you know, really the quality product price points and, and really what the features and benefit sets the consumers getting. So definitely, uh, definitely a, a benefit. Wow. So um, you're talking with the range-finding binoculars, uh, how it's designed, you can hold it up with just your right hand and still click the button and get the range. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only complaint we've had is that uh, some of the maybe the left-handed operators or maybe the left-handed dominant uh, customers have uh, may, may not be the best fit for them, but for the most part, uh, that's what the industry has you know, laid out. That it's, I think, I think right, it's only right. like 7% of the population. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can make 93 happy, we're, we're good. <laughs> yeah, you can't make everybody happy, that's for sure. So it's 7% of the population. Oh, that's wild. I didn't know that. I think so. I, my, our boss, or my boss is a lefty, so I always like to give him, give him crap about that. Well, the other thing that's kind of funny is that Joe and I worked uh, prior to this in the uh, chainsaw industry, so to speak, and there was always complaints from the left-handed Operators that <laughs> left handed. So you guys of, have been battling this for years, huh? Yeah. It's a constant problem. Yeah. Constant problem. Ah, wild. Uh, yeah, such such great products. Those range finding binoculars. Well, you guys kept all the optical performance. And, and what I like is that you guys are constantly evolving your process too. Like your, you know, your old spotting scope, the seven was a good spotting scope. Um, you know, and I was like, uh, I heard you guys were building a new one. I thought, boy, I really like this one. I don't, but then you come out with even a better model of spotting scope. And so you guys are constantly evolving, you know, all your products, aren't you? Just to try to make them as good as you can make them. Yeah. If you're not going forward, you're going backwards. So, uh, we're, we're definitely always iterating and, and the way that we, um, integrate electronics into a lot of our, our products, uh, you you got to be moving forward on electronics because that market definitely doesn't stand still. And it, mm -hmm. it actually makes it for a, a fun product line to manage and, and develop and, uh, and to use. So, man. So cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to be setting up, um, my daughters are pretty good rifle hunters or I got them started young and then we have these adventure hunts together. So, uh, I'm going to be building them a new rifle in this off season. Um, so, so what's a, what kind of scope should I be putting on that rifle or which one, um, which one would you recommend or which ones do you guys use? I, I honestly would recommend being that they're new to the sport and that they are, uh, not as experienced as I would run with the, with the Sierra three or Sierra six BDX system, really. Because uh, it's going to help simplify it. They're going to understand their hold points. Uh, you know, if you're shooting a little bit farther distance, it'll give them some confidence, especially if you're at the range and you're just, you know, dotting paper or, or hitting steel. It's You really get that 
that awe factor, Brian. And, and I think you already said you've had some experiences with, with your with your daughters shooting the BDX system. So, uh, you know, well, barring that it's legal in, you know, almost all the states, you know, Idaho, we have some issues with, in Idaho, and it's not fully legal in Oregon, but if you're hunting over, obviously, in your, you know, your area in Montana and Wyoming, you're, you're good to go. So, uh, it, in, and on top of that, it always can be used just as a traditional scope. You know, and not utilizing the technology. So, yeah, huh? That's strange. Um, Idaho uh, needs to get with the times, don't they? They they make me shoot <laughs> fixed blade broadheads there too. Uh, oh yeah, and I, I you know over the years, Joe and I we've hunted Idaho uh, for elk, um, and uh, I think it was maybe four or five years ago they finally made illuminated reticles legal. But they definitely have had that terminology in their uh, game regs for a good twenty years because. We spent some time studying up on, you know, some issues as far as where, where it might not be applicable to use this in a hunting big game situation. And Idaho is the only one that we can go back pretty good distance where they, you know, they hadn't moved too far on, on the regs. Yeah, and I think, I mean, my opinion on it is I think that they are kind of swallowing us up with a, a lot of the other technology out there like the smart shooter and the... Uh, the tracking points of the world where you're tagging animals and then the, the, the systems essentially pulling the trigger yeah. for you. I don't think uh, some of these bans happened before our product was even truly on the market. So it's uh, I think sometimes it's just reactionary. So, yeah, and Ho- hopefully they'll come back. Well, <laughs> and, and things that get frustrating with us when we're even talking with, uh, you know, users or hunters that are a little more old school, so to speak, Brian is, is that this system technically is more ethical than, uh, you know, going out with your old three by nine by forty and just shooting crosshairs and holding high on the back, you know, the old Kentucky windage days uh, that they may have been, you know, improperly trained on, and/or the concept of, um, you know, that's been around for quite some time and just, you know, reading your dope and dialing up, you know, spinning turrets. So. Uh, we can actually program our BDX system to give you ranges uh, at a distance which either A, you don't want to shoot beyond that range, it's called Kinetics, it's built into the app, and you just basically turn the feature on and off, But or you can say, hey, I don't have enough uh, energy, uh, foot-pound energy based off of whether it's distance or uh, muzzle velocity, so then you will say, hey, I don't want to get the BDX to give me a, a, a illuminated point at that point so you can actually in some ways be a lot more ethical in your decision and if it's a good shot for you to take or not man that's so smart now can i have control of my buddy's scope with that <laughs> well you can you can if you're ranging for them well, yeah and i know we're i know we're kind of joking around like wow these things are fascinating it's like a, they you know it shoots the animal for it for you but there's still a lot of variables involved as you know uh environmentals how steady the shooter is, wind, uh, temperature of their ammo. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that comes into play, but it definitely helps build confidence in the in the shooter where they're shooting targets or they're shooting animals. Uh, this BDX system is awesome, and I think it's I think it's fantastic for the the new shooters, new hunters, and or definitely youth uh, youth hunters. And I know Brandon Mason has talked about that too with with his boy Hunter. He's They've seen some success using the BDX system. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more, you know, and there is an ethical line that has to be drawn, but it it's so cool that you can decide that before the hunt and then um, you know, your program's going to tell you, you know, hey, that's that's farther than you wanted to shoot or it it'll uh, let you be aware of it. And I'm with you guys. I, I think these innovations, they only make us better. Like to be able to have an exact hold on an animal and hold the crosshairs right where you want to hit and execute a good shot is way more ethical than the olden days, you know, the Kentucky windage and uh, try to hold high and try to fire. And I, you know, I don't know if I quite learned the right way growing up as well, you know, where my daughters have so much control and we focus on the shot and we practice all our shooting positions and, and really one shot kills for both of my girls for multiple different animals where when I was a kid, I would have shot a whole box of shells at that thing trying to hold over and shoot. And, um, you know, and it also, it's like, um, it, like, there's so many factors that go into it and hunting Western game is so difficult with any weapon you use to be proficient at it. And, and these innovations, I think they only help us be uh, uh, more efficient, more ethical. Uh, but but I also, you know, I, I think these these innovations, like the the there's there's more and more people that are hunting out in the woods nowadays. There's more and more pressure. Uh, the animals. Uh, you know, a high-pressure animal acts different than a, than a low-pressure animal. And, and with a lot of us that are contending and hunting on public ground, like having these innovations on our side just gives us a better chance of success. And it's still difficult. Like buck fever is real. And I don't care what app you have or what range you have or what pin. Like I see guys miss stuff by miles, you know, just because they get excited. Like the fun of hunting – you know, there's a lot of fun to hunting, whether it's glassing the animal, making the play. But when you're on the rifle or on the bow, uh, executing a really good shot is difficult and takes complete focus, you know. So so that hasn't changed in hunting. It's still hunting, you know. So uh, yeah. I definitely don't think you guys are over the line. Now, some of these things that will shoot the rifle for you, that's over the line for me, you know. But uh, definitely everything that you guys are doing uh, make a positive impact in the hunting community. And I don't think anybody would ever accuse, you know, of, of going over that ethical line. Yep. Yeah, we've seen a – we had a buddy of ours that uh, took a shot at an elk, and he was a, a rev up on his uh, elevation turret. So anything you can do to kind of – Increase bandwidth when during those buck fever moments and uh, kind of reduce air there is, is definitely a plus in our eyes. So. Yeah, yeah, you're laughing, Brian, about can you uh, can you control your buddy's uh, rifle? I, I literally handed him my rifle at the moment. <laughs> no kidding, huh? Yeah, I was spotting and he was shooting and I he goes, have you seen any impacts? I go, I have not, I have not seen any impact. I think you're way high on your dial, and he. You know, he shot three times, and he goes, can I use your rifle? <laughs> then one is done. And then it was one and done. So. Oh, man, yours was dialed in. Huh? One shot, and he was done? Yeah. 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 Perfect. Yeah, that's how you want to do it. One, um, gosh, to be able to have that kind of confidence and trust in your equipment as well, like being able to practice with that BDX system to build trust in it. Like confidence is one of the best tools that you can carry into the woods. And then, you know, you, you're willing to put forth all this effort to, 
to find an animal to give yourself a chance because you you believe you can do it. You know, your equipment has proven it to you time and time again. You you believe in it, and you're walking around with confidence. And I I think that's one of the the biggest things, you know, with with your rangefinders and that BDX system is just giving guys confidence in the woods that they can make that shot. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny when we were developing the 2400 ABS. I was, uh, I mean, I grew up on paper dope charts and everything, and I was out there and we were shooting at a bunch of long range comps and whatnot. And I had a hard time giving up the paper dope sheet, and uh, I would be <laughs> shooting off that, and I'd miss, and then I'd blame myself. And then eventually I, I finally just started trusting that ABS and, and shooting what it was telling me, whether I thought it was right or it, it didn't match my dope sheet. And I started hitting more and more targets, and it was kind of eye opening for me because. You know those paper sheets—they're—they're they're accurate for the time you print it, and then—and uh, then it, it's kind of one point in time, and then it's all kind of going out out the window. And these, all of our electronics—they're able to update on the fly based on environmentals and other other inputs. So it's a—it's uh, a much more real-time, accurate system. And and I—I'm at the point where I have complete complete trust in the system, whether it's logical or illogical. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the same way. Like uh, when I when I first got into bow hunter, where I first started going on these adventure trips, I was really into these high country mule deer, and and nobody was really doing it with a bow and arrow. But I quickly learned that that uh, having a range wasn't enough in this steep country. That that I missed a a deer or two, and I and then I started reading about third axis and started reading about uh, you know the the true. A horizontal distance and uh, how I had to cut yards and started looking into it. So, I mean, I dove d- deep down the rabbit hole and I had a rangefinder and then I had the the paper cut chart like you're saying and an inclometer and I was trying to figure out how to shoot this mule deer below me and and pretty soon like uh now with the, your uh, uh the 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 range finding technology to be able to do up and downhill to do the angles the angle compensating that you guys run uh i started finding i was way more efficient and started some of these big deer started to die so uh yeah that that technology and saving those steps and saving that that extra bandwidth or extra thinking power that you're talking about is definitely beneficial for us hunters it keep it simple especially when we got that buck fever running Oh, yeah, I would I would agree with you uh, the simplicity of it because we're already burning enough mental capacity and you know just fighting the whole conference and exhaustion and just you know you might have just worked really hard to get in a spot to make a good ethical clean shot and then you're and now you're compounding yourself by trying to input your math within your own you know cerebral system you're just like you, you just max out <laughs> and I'm guessing in most cases some people just fluster themselves and they, they just you know run out of time and say, oh, I got to take this shot. So you're absolutely 100% right, um, you know, with that analogy. It's just perfect. Man. Well, um, your guys' glass is changing the game, and and, um, I'm just so impressed that I'm constantly trying to get the word out uh, because uh, I have everybody look through them that hunts with me or comes with me. I said, hey, take a look through these things. And, and instantly I've got them on the Internet looking for a pair of 15s or whatever the case is. But you guys are just building uh, some of the best glass and the best value in the market with your range finders. Now the image stabilization on the forefront of the market. Just so impressed with what you guys are coming up with. And, and I'm really proud to be partnered with you guys. Yeah, likewise. We're excited about everything that's happening here and uh, excited about our partnership with you as well. 
Yeah, it's exciting, uh, you know, hearing about your success or even just reading it and knowing knowing what gear you have uh, on you or in your pack on those hunts. It's uh, it definitely brings a smile to our face. And I know uh, some of the other guys over on the Eastman's publishing side just they're always super excited to talk about product and stories and success. And uh, you know, I think I think uh, obviously being uh, kind of this obviously coming from the same cloth and such, you know, birds of the same feather flock together. So all that passion and support that you guys do, it's just, it helps feed us to kind of continue to push out the best product we can. It's, it's definitely been a good, good, fun partnership. Yeah, well, I'm definitely putting through the ringer, putting them through the ringer. Uh, that that backcountry is not easy on uh, on glass or on um, on anything for that matter. But uh, they've always held up. You guys build them; they're super durable. Uh, I've just never had an issue with any of your guys' gear I've ever used, and um, so impressed with the optical performance of the glass. And I just think you guys are doing great work. And um, Man, oh man, it it was good we were able to talk about a few of these products like those 15s and like that scope. Um, I I feel like I've been um, shouting at the heavens forever, so it's good to get you guys on and talk uh, talk through that glass a little bit and and talk to somebody that knows more about it than I do. Yeah, sure, no it's, problem. It's been it's yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, I've got a I've got a couple questions for you. Okay. What I know you're I I know you're uh huge with the back backcountry high country mule deer what's your second favorite quarry man um so i'd probably be mule deer first and elk second and there is your elk also backcountry on your feet packing camp yeah, I did um, really good. So I hunted uh, a couple different states this year. So one of the states I hunted was big mountains, which is really my advantage. I have good legs. I'm in good shape. And so what I did in these mountains is uh, uh, I traveled everywhere with my camp on my back. And so I tried to keep my weight down around 30 pounds or so, would take my water and my food. And, and then I just travel and do like that classic uh, like like bivy hunting where you you sleep wherever you end up wherever the elk are and boy I was able to to keep on elk nearly the entire hunt I just had some epic rutting action and some close calls on this big mudded up six point and then I had this big uh, uh, lopsided bull that kind of had a busted pedicle but just this giant heavy six point uh, his all all his eye guards are over 20 inches and I I hunted him for three different days and then I was able to put a perfect arrow through him in the mountains and and harvested that bull and then went on to hunting uh, my local tag here in Montana and, and really I my goal was to kill one good bull for the season so I said hey, you know if it's not a giant I'm not going to shoot it and I've got couple of my Hawaii buddies out that were hunting with me and um so so we were hunting elk in Montana and sure enough I turned up one of those bulls that um just blew my mind and um hunted him for two days able to put a perfect arrow in him and he's my absolute best bull to date and he's just got it all just wide tall uh, long time so it was an absolute dream season for me that's awesome that's awesome what uh, I know sometimes when Joe and I are hunting, we're like juggling what equipment we're going to take, you know, whether it's a backpacking hunt or a day hunt, whatever. But there's been different times I've taken different optics, and Joe's kind of he'll he'll take his tripods, his, he'll cut his weight as much as he can, but he really likes his tripods and his binos. Uh, 
Yeah. I think we both kind of ditched, so to speak, the big spotter when we when we absolutely don't need it. Uh, or maybe one of us will pack it, or uh, usually me, because I feel like I need it. You're tougher than me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but w- do you do you find yourself really weighing different options with with your optic choices, or what's your go-to uh, w- when you're obviously you're let's just say archery. Let's not mix archery and rifle, but uh, I'm guessing that maybe you're more of a handheld. Uh, rangefinder guy because you're already packing the 15 by 56 what's your what's your optimal you know optics package when you're hitting the backwoods yeah so just like you said it changes with every hunt for me what I'm gonna bring and also who I'm coming with uh, a lot of times if I'm teaming up with a buddy there's no sense in us both having a spotting scope and so I'll have him bring the spotting scope and then I'll bring those 15s in my tripod and then we have you know, all the optics up there. And so it depends on the hunt. I have found that with elk, elk seem to pop in those binos better than deer do. Uh, They have those bleach blonde bodies. They stick out from a long ways away. And I also find that when glassing for elk, it's not so much like picking apart every piece of timber. Now it can if if you're glassing for bedded elk in some timber or something of that nature. But most of the time, you see them clear as day. And so I've actually found that like the 10 buys handheld or your 11 by 45s is what i use the zulu nines uh those work perfect for elk hunting for me so i really like running those elk hunting now elk hunting if i'm going if i'm trying to go super light i will just go with binoculars and can get away with it where with mule deer i always have a scope with me to be able to identify either me or my buddy does to be able to see what we saw you know to be able to identify the animal how big he is from a ways away and so uh elk hunting i can get away with just the 11 by 45s um but you know when you're looking for a big six point or you're looking for a certain level of bowl gosh i'll I'll sneak that scope in so i'm probably like half and half of bringing the scope or not and it kind of depends on where i'm going in and how far i'm going to be looking like i kind of get a feel for the country if i'm hunting like breaks or badlands or something like that I know I'm going to be fairly close and can probably tell what they are with binoculars, where if I'm in big mountains and I'm looking across ranges, you know, that's where I'll take that scope to be able to identify. And I would say for deer, those 15s have been a game changer for me. Uh, The 15s have spotted more animals side by side with my buddy with 10 power, probably two to one. Uh, So I'm really liking those 15s and tripoded up. And again, it comes down to the terrain. So just got back from a a big desert hunt where I hunted low populations of mule deer, glassing a long ways away. And I wouldn't be caught dead anywhere without that pair of 15s and my tripod. So I could pick that country apart. And so I could glass distant terrain. And and so I'd I'd bring them along on that. But uh, like, say, a a backcountry hunt that I did like in the badlands uh, of Montana you know for that hunt uh, I just brought my 11 by 45s because I can you know everything's going to be fairly close and then a scope to be able to judge them so man it's like they're all different tools for different terrain and habitats and and distance of glassing and so I just um, I'm fortunate enough to have like the the 15s the 11 by and the scope and so I just kind of look at the terrain I'm hunting and the species I'm hunting and kind of pick that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I appreciate you opening up, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate you giving them a little feedback. That's that's great. Yeah, it was a great question. Yeah, because um, 
it, it, it does change by the, the places we hunt. So what would you guys say your guys' preferences were? Oh, I would kind of wait the same way. Um, I, I, um, I like the Zulu 9 11 by 45s and I can operate those well enough without a tripod. So that's usually my go-to. And I'm carrying a Kilo 2400 ABS, uh, and I'll just, in rifle situations, and so then I can just, you know, have my dope programmed uh, into the rangefinder and get my holds and, you know, uh, change my elevations if need to. And typically not wanting to shoot too far, but if we need to read, I can read wind uh, well enough to, you know, be comf- comfortable taking a shot at a little bit farther distances, but nothing too far. Um, and then... Uh, I'll typically always have my spotting an Oscar eight with me, but there's been several trips where I've packed it, you know, um, out on overnight trips and I didn't even get it out of my pack, uh, whether I was just on my feet and didn't need to get it out. But there, I just, I, I really had too much weight. If you think about it, I have a, you know, three pound spotting scope and I have a tripod. So I think I tend to go a little bit, just try to keep it simple. Um, there was a trip a few years ago that Joe and I thought we were going to just be a slam dunk on the black, late blacktail, uh, hunt into our high country area. And I packed the Oscar three mini spotting scope just in case I needed it. But it was kind of a funny trip. We got in the snow. We thought we were going to cut tracks. We thought we were going to just, just fill our tags. It was like the last day of the year. Uh, and we never had gone in there late season, but we put 17 miles on our feet and never saw a deer. Or a track. <laughs> Ouch. Those, those black like tails can be rough, can't they? Tracks, but, but definitely was a good decision not to pack the spotting scope because typically it would have been an area where we're, we're glassing a long, a lot of miles over a big burn area. And I'm just glad it, in that juncture, you know, I didn't pack that extra weight because we actually ended up just, you know, grinding ourselves in the grind, ground that day. But I don't know, Joe, what, what's your really go-to? I usually, so, I mean, if I'm rifle hunting, it's, it's, uh, for me, it's kilo 3000s on my chest, and then I have 15 by 56s in my backpack with a tripod. And, like, where we hunt in Idaho, we have a side by side, we get kind of point A and point B, and I'll have a, a spotter in there for big lookout points and whatnot, but for the most part, it's those 15 by 56s. And then for archery, I just have a handheld monocular rangefinder and usually some, some, uh, 10 by 45s. Or, or maybe the 15 by 56s and no extra binos in that. So, I'm I'm starting to tend to lean more to just bringing those 15s. I can see, oh. I mean, it's like the lowest setting on your spotting scope. It's like I can see everything I need to see, except for that one case where he's two miles away, where you really need a spotting scope. But I'm I'm starting to get away with that more and more. I just carry in. You know, the 11 by 45s handheld around my neck and then the 15s and the tripod because they are the most effective tool for spotting game with both eyes open and really panning through terrain and being able to see things. They're the most effective for that. And and so it's just like I can I'd say like 90 percent of the time. I can see everything a spotting scope's going to see. I can have my buddy right next to me with the spotting scope, and we can confirm the size of that mule deer, the size of that elk. So I, I'm. this is my, my first season with those 15s, so I think as the years go on, I am going to start ditching that spotting scope more and more and packing those 15s instead just because they are so good at spotting animals. Yeah, yeah for sure. 
Uh, I was going to add, I didn't, I didn't use them a lot myself, but I did have uh, my, my 16-year-old daughter, my 14-year-old son, who are getting more passionate about hunting and getting in the field more. Uh, I had them use the Zulu 6 10 by 30s primarily this, this past fall. Uh, and my, my daughter did harvest a 360 bull in Utah with, with uh, my father-in-law. And uh, she got home, and you know, she's not really great experience with, with using binoculars, but she took those Zulu 6s, and I asked her how it was, and she goes, oh, my gosh, Dad, they saved me. So uh, hearing that was pretty cool because just the benefit of, of reducing the amount of handheld wobble, um, just be able, it actually increases the clarity uh, of the user. So it was just awesome that she said that. And then my son ended up using them quite a bit, but uh, he actually preferred them over traditional Darzulu 7s that he's really loves to use. But uh, that's definitely a, something I would, I would talk about too, again, with people that are getting into hunting and like western style hunting and they need the glass from larger or farther distance and maybe they're like like with an experienced hunter like yourself and you're teaching them or coaching them along i mean it's tremendous what you can do if you're able to hold that still to be able to pinpoint and talk them through like what they're looking for what a great point i think you're spot on yeah i think um you know, I think I think I'm gonna have my girls use them this year because they're just not that great looking through the handheld binoculars, you know. And it that's a big part of that experience of hunting is yeah. being able to look at those game animals. And if they can't hold them still enough to be able to see through them, you know, they're missing part of that experience. I think you bring up a really good point of those image stabilization uh, binoculars and and having uh, kids use them. And really, they're good for anybody. And you you guys do build that 16 power. Uh, image stabilization uh, binocular as well um, it's a game changer when you click that button so man that's a you, you bring up a really good point yeah they're 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 uh they're exceptionally used it's, they're great and you know we've actually heard people using them too although they're not have been out in the market a lot but just use them for different things or bird watching or sports observation things like that so man how cool well um you guys are, are building great products. I'm so impressed. And, and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking over it with me. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just so impressed and can't see what, can't wait to see those, um, those new binoculars you guys were talking about. But, gosh, I got everything I need to kill anything in, uh, in North America or Western game. Uh, just so impressed with your guys' products. So thanks so much. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you for all the support. Yep, we'll keep in touch. All right, see you, buddy. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Yeah, fun conversation with those two. Uh, you you can tell they're they're diehard hunters and they love what they do and they're just producing great optics. I uh, also want to thank Sig Sauer for their support of the podcast. Uh, you know, we talked about it today. My different kit that I use for different hunts and uh, it's like different tools that you use for different distances and different terrain. And uh, I'm just so excited to be using this kit. Uh, Love those 15s and the, the 11 by 45s and that spotting scope, that 27 by 55 by 80. And um, psyched to hear about some of those new products like those. Uh, they're thinking about building a bigger set of binos, which would be really cool. Uh, but gosh, I've got everything I need to kill any animal in North America or in the world for that matter. And uh, 
man, I just uh, I trust all my hunts to those six hour optics, six hour rangefinder. I'm a huge believer. So fun to get those guys on the podcast and talk it over. Also want to thank Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Make sure to check out the magazines, Tag Hub, um, you know, everything we've got going on, the videos. They keep releasing more videos on that Beyond the Grid, the, the Internet. Uh, well, it's on YouTube. Search Eastman's Hunting TV. And I saw another elk episode of mine, an old elk episode, I think from maybe two years ago that they put on there. And, um, yeah, it was a good episode. That was a fun one. So I believe you can watch that now. Watch that that hunt of mine, Open Country Mule Deer. That was a good one. And uh, I've got a couple more coming out this year that I'm super excited about. So I'll let you know on those as well. And, uh, man, I'm just um, I'm in my tag research uh, trying to um, figure out which hunts I'm going to go on, which hunts I'm going to apply for, trying to plan out my year, trying to fill up my spring here and, and getting excited for bear season and, and really just studying all these different hunts and then putting in that work, like right now in that off season, um, trying to build that cardio base. And it sucked lately in the snow. I mean, that snow is just such a brutal workout, but that's the the good and the bad. You know, the bad is that I that I dreaded on some days trying to go run through that snow, but the good is, is that I keep getting out there and that it does put so much effort on my body. I mean, um snow has to be twice or three times as tough to make the same distance in than than dry dirt. Uh have been lucky enough to find some dry dirt lately and been running a little bit on that. Ran on dry dirt yesterday, which was really nice. Intermittent snow, but still pretty nice. And uh, skiing a little bit, and um, yeah, just keeping my body ready, really uh, shooting a bunch. In fact, I think I'm going to go up and shoot a Vegas round today. I've got a, a meeting in Bozeman and got to pick up a few things up in there. So I think I'll shoot a round today. And uh, man, I got that new that new Matthews. Man, am I building a relationship with that? So I still shoot the the V3, uh, use that as my my backup bow or. Uh, uh, VXR, I'm sorry. Use the VXR as my backup. The V3 is the new one. But that V3 is so smooth. That thing is shooting so good for me. i just really getting it dialed in and building confidence with it. Uh, so I can't wait to, to cut loose on this new hunting season and see where I'm at. Bear season will be fun and a couple other things in the works and see what tags I can draw. So uh, fun time of year to, to plan these things out and um, dial in my gear kit, make sure everything's dialed there and get ready for another year. Uh, put in some, some hours on the job site and some work and, and, um, make a little money. So I'm ready to go in the fall. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it, I enjoy the entire process of being a backcountry bow hunter and living at 365. And right now we're just in that tag season, that preparation of building that aerobic base and, um, just getting ready for just getting ready for another year, but uh, it's a fun process. So, thanks to you guys for supporting the podcast and and uh, social media and everything I do. I really appreciate it. And with that, check in with you guys next week.